Well, we've come to the end of our series on the Beatitudes since uh, next Sunday is Palm Sunday and the following Sunday, believe it or not, is Easter. And yet I don't think the Beatitudes have come to the end of us. I don't know that they ever will. They press in on us. Today we take the last three, knowing we can't give justice to each one of them. But in order to celebrate next week and the following, we take these three together. In Matthew 5, 8 through 12. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Well, these are kind of the three P's, pure in heart, peacemakers, and persecuted. So what is it to have a pure heart? I suppose it is the opposite of having an impure heart. And there are a lot of things that come along to contaminate the human heart, or they're not. There are things looking for a place to live. And part of having free will is the right to choose what is in your heart and what is not in your heart. And that's not always an easy choice. But we're not victims. Things don't have permission to come and dwell in your heart and put up a mailbox and stay there unless you choose. You choose. And the question really is for you and for me, what do we want in our heart? Because that's what gets to stay. It seems that to me that people with a pure heart and we... And camp out inside their spirit. They choose not once. They choose over and over and over and over and over again. Prayer is a part of that choice. And it strikes me that prayer is not so much about changing God's mind as if God's mind needs to be changed. In other words, if 500 of us pray, then somehow God will wake up and go, oh yeah, gosh, I forgot all about that. I guess I need to go over and do that. God's already at work in the world. Prayer changes your mind. It lines you up with what God is already doing. King David knew this. 
the story of King David, the greatest king that Israel ever knew, and the story of Bathsheba. And I can't tell that whole story because there are children here this morning. There are some things that you can't read from the Bible in public. That's one of those stories. But after the affair and after the child died and after David had her husband killed, all that, the greatest king, David wrote Psalm 51. You know the psalm, even if you don't think you do. In that psalm, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. What a prayer. After all I've done, after all that's in me, the lies and the anger and the wrath and the lust and the whole bit, I dare to pray to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. As wrong as that king was, he was smart enough to know that he could not clean his own heart. We don't do very well with that. We get up in the morning and say, I'm going to let go of that today. That's going to be gone. And things that happened to us 30 years ago can still be in our heart. Taking up residence with a mailbox because we are choosing. It's a choice not to let go of it. David knew better. There's no way I can clean my heart. It's too foul. And so David turned to God and said, could you do this? Prayer is not changing God's mind. It's ridiculous. Prayer is changing my mind, my heart, who I am. And so Jesus said to live with a pure heart a heart without deceit and lies, a heart without power plays, a heart without jealousy or conceit, a heart without hate or discrimination, that heart is a blessed life. And then he added peacemakers. Who do you think of when I say the word peacemaker? You can say this out loud. Who do you think of? Yeah, that's right. Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., the Pope, Mandela. If you think about their lives, their, their lives were anything but peaceful in many ways. They were peacemakers, but making peace created strife and sometimes even war. Peace is not always having a peaceful feeling like a sunset and a glass of wine out on the beach. Peace can create a problem if you're about making peace with somebody because you have to deal with the conflict. You have to. Rosalind, um, I don't know if I'm coming through online or not without a mic. Um, am I mic? Oh, good. Rosalind Banbury's our associate um, here at the church, one of our associates, and um, for people online who wouldn't know that, 
And she actually asked me to preach this series. This was not my idea. Um, in fact, I've never preached a series on the Beatitudes before. I've preached on the Sermon on the Mount, but never these eight Beatitudes. And so Rosalind came and said, could you preach a series on this to go along with the Lenten congregational study? And I said, Rosalind, I don't have sermons on this, um, you know, and I'm wanting to rebuild sermons and do that. She said, I know, but you, 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 you got to do this. Thank you, Rosalind. Yes, you did say that. And you're in church. And I appreciate you giving me more work to do. I actually am grateful that you pushed me and nudged me because uh, these, these Beatitudes are so relevant to what's going on in our world today. And uh, they've been eye-opening for me. But anyway, the staff has been going through the Beatitudes on Tuesday in our meeting like you're going through them on Sunday and, and in your studies. And this week we were talking about peace, and Rosalind gave the staff an illustration. She said peace is like being perfectly, being perfectly on the same note, the musical note together. I like that. Peace is like being on the same note. So we're going to try this. Um, Suzanne, would, I want you to hold a, a middle C, and I want you to sing below this note. That's flat, okay? I want you to sing, just hum it, just below it. It's going to sound awful, all right? So I want a middle C, and I want us all to sing below it. Okay, ready? That sounds like your teenager when you tell them to go to bed, right? All right, now hold that C, and I want you to sing it above the note, sharp. Go up. It's terrible. And now I want you to sing right on the note, and you people who are tone deaf, stay out. Ready? No, you can give it a shot if you want to. You, you won't know the difference, really. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Right on this note. Ready? Louder. Softer. That's peace. See? The disharmony is all around us. Sharp, flat, sounds awful, feels awful, tired of hearing it. All of us, as different as we are in this room and online, we all sang the same note. That's peace. And what Jesus says is, those of you who make that peace, those of you who work for that kind of harmony in human community, That's a blessed life. And like Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) And then he comes to his last one. Those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now that's different than being persecuted because somebody doesn't like you or because uh, you're different. Being persecuted for your looks or 
because you're gay or because you don't fit in some way. Jesus isn't talking about that kind of persecution. He says persecuted for righteousness, which means you are persecuted because you stand for what is right. Blessed are you. It's not an easy place to stand. Sometimes you don't know where that place is actually to stand. It's complicated. But Jesus gives more explanation to this eighth beatitude than any of the rest. The shortest one is nine words. This is the longest. Sixty-two words. Why would he give so much attention to persecution? I don't know. Maybe it's because his listeners were going to face it soon. And he wanted to reinforce them. Maybe it's because you and I are going to face it. Whenever we have the courage to stand in that place that is the right place. Because he knows in that place you will suffer. You will almost always suffer. So in conclusion, when you look at these eight Beatitudes and cross your eyes just a little bit while you're looking at them, I think you may be looking at Christ himself. This is him. These are his traits. This is his spirit that dwells within you. Those of us who dare to open the door to the knock on our heart, and he comes in and sups with you and you with him, you start to take on the very traits of Christ himself, which is amazing. And then the church begins to look like this. Oh, not just the church of brick and mortars, not the church of websites and budgets and staff and all that. No, no, no. I mean the church of people who belong to Jesus, that church. That church is everywhere. And that is the church this world needs right now. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for these blessings. And we pray that you would dwell in us and help us to dwell in you so that our lives may reflect these things you hold most sacred. Do this work in us, lest we miss thy kingdom's goal. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.